Yo, this is George Dr. Funkenstein Clinton, and you're listening to The Finest Keepers Radio Show from somewhere in the English countryside, making global local in your hood. That familiar theme tune heralds another edition of the Finest Keepers radio show from somewhere in the English countryside. I have my uh, my good friend and co-host, Mr Andrew Fotel. Andy, how are you? I'm very well, Pete. Oh. Feeling particularly... I've got the bearskin rug vibe this morning. <laughs> Fe- feeling particularly soulful. Oh. And, and we've also got our good friend and um, the co-owner of Finders Keepers record, Mr Doug Shipton. How are you doing, Doug? I'm very well, thank you, Andy. How about yourself? It's all right, yeah. yeah we're, we're, we're doing okay. I'm very excited because... Is this show number five? I think it's number five, yeah. Show number five, and it's something that I'm, I have a, I share a passion with you uh, in. Can you yes. reveal what we're going to be doing over the next couple of hours? Today, we're going to be doing a show about psychedelic soul music. Okay. How about that? Well, it's... it's um, and, and when I said to you... <laughs> I think I said to you on the phone the other day, I said, so we're doing this psychedelic soul thing. You went, I didn't know it was a genre. Were you serious about that? Because all these titles are made up anyway, but it, it yeah. is a... I think it's a genre, isn't it, now? I think if Welsh rare beat and kraut exploitation's yeah. a, a genre, yeah. I think psychedelic soul is probably uh, probably earned its... Earned its um, and it's... it's it's not as straightforward as saying this is a show about psychedelic soul either. Well, you know, it's like I, I'm sure. St- first of all, I'm sure there's millions of record collectors who could who would trump us on this, especially mm. especially the Americans. I mean, you know, yeah. on that independent scene, you know, that psychedelic soul has probably become something in the in the you know independent 45s and whatnot. But mm. I'm I'm harking back to an era where in Manchester you'd, you'd we were pulling out records by Spanky Wilson, mm. fully loaded by Magnum, even British records like 100% Pure Poison, yeah. and looking on inner sleeves of Cadet Records and discovering that, you know, wow, there's 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 white musicians here, and that discovering mm. that there was, you know, soul records didn't just mean a guy with an afro, and you didn't have to run a million miles if there was an electric guitar so it was Kind of that period of mixed-race groups that were coming through, you know, there's a, a number of them, and they were all brilliant. That's oh, where, yeah. Is that the, kind of where the rock element came? Because that what we're talking about rock guitar in, in soul music, aren't we, it's essentially? I guess so, I mean, yeah, and, 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 and sound effects and echoplexes and lots of reverb and just that, that huge sort of mix, you know. But, I mean, you know, like you say, bands like Rotary Connection, mm. Sweetwater, Shades of Joy, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. these were, like, quite, quite weird groups and I remember I, I used to run a mile of heard a guitar mm-hmm. but then you started hearing things in records by the Barkays and Mandrill and you know and rap records started sampling stuff you know like when when Public Enemy sampled Dennis Coffee, it was just like yeah. oh right okay so Dennis Coffey well you see it's very important in it Dennis we, may, we, we should talk a bit more about oh, Dennis God, as, yeah, as we progress yeah. uh, what is your view of psychedelic soul Doug well I, I'm kind of with Andy on this one to be honest I think uh, it's it's oh, it's a bit of a Sort of vast net that's been thrown over quite a lot of sort of subgenres. I wouldn't even say it's a niche, to be honest. It's uh, it's a broad church, uh, isn't it? What we're going to start off that will create a bit of interest and intrigue straight away. I think I think it'd be good to throw straight in with someone who, who uh, as time went on, I mean, this guy has definitely got deep soul roots and formerly known as Gene McDaniel's, but later calling himself the Left Reverend. Eugene McD. Mm. It's uh, Eugene McDaniels who did a lot of work with Roberta Flatt. But this for me is the godfather, grandfather, doyen of psychedelic soul. It's Eugene McDaniels with Unspoken Dreams of Light. 
This is the Finders Keepers radio show. Venture with me in the uncharted sea of the unspoken dreams of light. Speak you not of genocide. Indians have yet to hide. Time will come when death will ride. A mean and bloody train. From the smog-filled coasts of California to the rock-strewn coasts of Maine. Massive blacky whitey clouds, cold light on winds of change, to sound the thunder heard across the land I know. Children of the light must hate the night in order to redeem the skeletons of blood-stained hands that show. Of the Christian hordes conspire to suck away the brains of children of the dark again. I know lips that whisper love can scream the hate for those so fortunate as not to be encased and have it stand through time. Rationales of higher ups where elevators cruise the clouds conclude that Satan's children are not bright sometimes. Rationales hear the acted cries of wolf and hope that justice will prevail in new breed light in time. Venture with me in the uncharted sea of the unspoken dreams of light. Speak you not of genocide. Indians have yet to hide. Time will come when death will ride A mean and bloody train From the smog-filled coasts of California To the rock-strewn coasts of Maine Seeking blood have captured hearts of men By making sweet the thrill of killing other men in battle Ill-gotten gains of war are wearing thin The theory of the democratic life Strictly conceived by cattle Rumbling stomachs of the like Inflame suspicions of the peaceful life Way, way, way beyond the dollar bill of blue reveal conditions of the courts of men in black who blow their minds for life at will. Game for game, the light intrudes on rights of men around the ball of blue that hangs way out in space and time. Leading ladies, stealing wives of men whose lives reject the truth of starving children cross the tracks of mime. Venture with me in the uncharted sea of the unspoken dreams of light. Speak you not of genocide, Indian. 
to hide Time will come when death will ride A mean and bloody train From the smog-filled coasts of California To the rock-strewn coast of Maine You're listening to the Finders Keepers radio show from somewhere in the English countryside. I'm Pete Mitchell, we have Andy Votel, we have Doug Shipton with us and that was uh, an intriguing start to the show. Uh, we talked about Psychedelics, so I introduced it and it sounds like a bit like a show tune to begin with. What, Eugene's record? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, th- it, I think he was... Which I like that because it's, it's not what you expect. He was a, he was a man on the stage in, yeah. the, in the 50s and 60s, you yeah. know what I mean? But then he sort of... I know he was writing for Roberta Flack and they were sort of... Each other's crutch, so to really? speak. Did but he have hit singles with the Roberta? Is it? Did he? Does he stretch that far with that? Do you know, Doug? He did compared to what, didn't he? Yeah, that was covered by Sweetwater, which mm-hmm. were like you know the the Rotary Connections. It could be Mr. Flood's party on the Northern Soul scene, but there was certainly a version of that. Co- co- I mean, I'm sure I mean, it's been covered many, yeah, many, well many times. Tune, yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But Eugene, like I say, I mean, he, he basically. I mean, when I first heard of Eugene McDaniel's, there was this stupid phrase that went around like Eugene McDaniel's. He's like the Black Bob Dylan. And, but then I suppose if you were to pick who the white Eugene McDaniels was, you'd end up with someone totally different. No, have you tried? Have you thought this through? I have thought this Go through. On. Probably Terry Durham from Wakefield. <laughs> but, but but then you know, but then who's like you know, if you if you were to look for say the who's the Mexican Terry Durham would probably be someone like Rodriguez on Sussex well, Records. Maybe. Well, you, you, yeah, you're you coming know. back round to the whole Dennis Coffee thing again there because uh, uh, co-producer they and that I think didn't he? Yeah, with, yeah, with Mike Theodore. Yeah. What if we were to pick the Native American female Eugene McDaniels? It'd probably sound a little bit like this record. Finders Keepers. Bee Music.
had to tell myself my life could be worth more. And I slipped and learned to give, found my body at your This is the Finders Keepers radio show. Another intriguing song, Priscilla, from uh, the the album Gypsy Queen. And what was that one called? Uh, the track Good Morning Freedom. Freedom. Yeah. yeah. Who is Priscilla? Priscilla is actually well, she's the wife of Booker T. Jones. Wow, of the uh, Booker T. And the MG Stacks House Backing Band, etc. Yeah. And she's also the sister of Rita Coolidge. Oh, this is too good for information, really. Yeah, and an A and R alumni. Of Dennis Coffey. There is a pattern emerging here. Yeah, she's got the credentials, you know. But, you know, a lo- another long lineage of quite quite well-known people atta- attached to sort of, like, obscure psychedelic soul tunes who never quite made the, the chart. The cut. Sort of, yeah. yeah. But years later, you know, people are hearing stuff like this. Much like uh, the record that Doug's going to play next, I- I'm- am I right in thinking you're going uh, into Chubby's Checkered Past? <laughs> uh, <laughs> You'd see that. There's a bit of a gag yeah. going down there. Well, I, I think checkered is-, is the word to use, to be honest. It's because uh, I've always struggled with sort of psychedelic soul as a concept. It's um, it's two very distinct genres, if you were to ask me as a as a younger man, as a younger record collector, how they squashed together because it kind of tipped everything I knew about psychedelia on its head. What with sort of say, the psychedelic soul as a mainstay, you're looking at what Sly and the Family Stone, Temptation, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Supremes. Mm-hmm. Anybody else admitting Andy? Uh, uh, Funkadelic, uh, that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Edwin yeah. Starr, Fifth Dimension. There was nothing sort of super, super psychedelic in the sort of the more traditional sense to me. I know what you mean. My, my introduction to psychedelic music was it crept in through bands like Rote Reconnection. I mean, you know, five years later, I was listening to full-blown psychedelic yeah. music in Garage. It's a great start, know. though, wasn't it? It's a yeah. great introduction to it all. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. A, it was a beautiful, kind of nice, soft, mm. soulful mm. introduction. But then with something like, I think, with the tune that Doug's about to play, it's got the full, hard, bona fide sort of psychedelic elements in there. Mm. They're, they're not subtle. It's, it's a, you know... Yeah. Well, no, I think that's it. There, there's, there's a lot of disparity, I think, in, in the genre. You mentioned Sweetwater earlier. I personally would place them as a psychedelic soul band but if you were to listen to the first album i believe it's sweetwater self-titled um it's sort of got more in common with jefferson airplane yeah yeah so yeah this uh so this comes from as andy pointed out chubby checkers 
Check It <laughs> album, which was reputedly recorded in Amsterdam in the early 70s and only managed to find its way out through these European budget labels like uh, Music for Pleasure, uh, a Fairy Underground. There's a seven-inch single. Uh, this track was a flip so to a song named Stoned in the Bathroom, which I guess sort of tells you everything you need to know really about where Chubby was and... People weren't looking for, for for Chubby Checker Records, were they, until that track Gypsy came along, which was like a 45 only thing. And at first, Stone in the Bathroom was a bit of a consolation prize. But when people started, really mm-hmm. got onto this B-side, you know, that opened it up to a whole different world. And, you know, the track that Doug's about to play now is, is, is you know... Can't wait to hear it. Is, is a different, yeah, a, diff- a totally different side mm. to... Uh, not doing the twist on this. He's definitely not. Doing no, he's not that. twisting again. Yeah. Twist your mind. <laughs> yeah, twisted mind. <laughs> Here we go with Chubby Checker, My Mind.
This is Doug Shipton. Uh, you're listening to Finders Keepers Radio from somewhere in the English countryside. That was Chubby Checker with my mind. What did you think, Pete? Wasn't I expecting there wasn't a, a you know a sniff of the twist in that? I have to say. Do you know that the video to the twist by Chubby Checker and the Fat Boys features a cameo from can singer Malcolm Mooney playing a chef. It's the most obscure fact I think we've heard on all of these shows. It's true though. See, only Sounds on the, ridiculous. Only on the Finders Keepers radio show does, does Krautrock meet Psychedelic Soul via Mars. By the Fat Boys. No, anyway, you know, carry on. But you, the interesting thing is that you said it was reco- he recorded that in Amsterdam. Did he re- relocate to Amsterdam? Reputedly, yes. Uh, uh, but I have heard uh, on the grapevine from various sources that apparently it was recorded in New York, shopped around. Ah, uh, okay. I think we'll find a home for it, but photos from the era, he doesn't really look that chubby, to be honest. No, I, I think he's probably been a bit sm- freaked out. I mean, smoking continental cigarettes. Well, that's what I was going to say. That's my I next. To, I need yeah. to see what taking uh, a toke. You mean what he, what he looked like after he got the munchies? Because he probably mm. returned to chubby a checker. I expect um, because he had a bit of a revival period in the seventies. I would imagine this is towards. I bet he was thinking his career is over at this stage. Yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely. He was over, yeah. yeah. Apart from the re-release stuff that came came later. Yeah, exactly. After smoking that muck. Oh, dear, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what does he... Um, was Chubby ever chubby? He must have been as a child. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, That's why you dance the twist, isn't it, when you can't do anything else? Well, you would have thought the weight would have dropped off if he was, if he was twisting that much, wouldn't you? I don't think he was ever chubby. I, I dare say he wasn't checkered either. <laughs> you don't know about his checkered career. <laughs> Completely different thing. A beautiful lady seems to have just walked into oh, the building. Who is... Yeah. Oh, oh. Smell of roses. (laughs) 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 Very funny. Hi. Hi. You really meant that, Jane. Jane Weaver's here for random moment. Word I can never say. Randomonium. (laughs) Randomonium. It's Jane Weaver's randomonium. Should that cherished piece of vinyl stay or go? If you've not guessed already, my favourite Jane Weaver, Silver Globalist, has just come in uh, to do another episode of Randomonium. Hi. Pete can't say Randomonium, can you? Randomonium. Randomonium, I can say it. So if I think about it, I can't say Randomonium. Jane will pick a record by random from our record collection and... What do you mean, our record collection? Oh. I say, let me what just is get mine straight. is yours. Here we yeah. go again. Yeah, so oh. you say. But basically our house is overrun with a lot like of Rinder. Andy's records. Yeah. Put the record on and I'll tell you what it is. Okay. With, put okay. me blindfold on first. Okay, right. It can be, Ow, right. Pete. Uh, Sorry about the nails. I've just had a manicure, so they're not too sharp. Hey. Watch uh, me tram line. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very slow build-up, Andy. Contra the bus. Yeah. You got it already? No idea. Oh. Sounds foreboding. Jazz is not a full-letter word. I know. Can we do a bit more? You have to move it on, yeah, it's a bit... Yeah, Let me move it on. That's familiar? How about that? Yep. Like that one? No. Um, oh my God. Jazzy. Okay. Yeah, very jazzy. Uh, let's try another one. What about that? What a. 
What about that Wait one? Wait up. What? Do you like that one? <laughs> I know the way this right, one's on. going. Ah, it's an electronic oh, thing. Okay. What about that? Go back, Pete. Okay, let me go back. What, what is this? That bit. Sounds like... I've, ne <laughs> I've never heard this record in my life, but it sounds amazing. you never heard this record in your life? No, but I I've got an idea what it might be. Is it on Strata East by any chance? I'll just have a look. Uh, no. It's on Flying Dutchman. Uh, uh, straight, same thing. What's the deal, Pete, with Flying Dutchman and Stratter East? Uh, I think they licensed Stratter East because uh, Girls Got Home was on Flying Dutchman. And then oh, right. the Brian Jackson project, I think, was on as a single, was on Stratter East in certain territories. You right. should know more about it than I. Don't than know. I. Bernard Purdy was the a &R man at, at Flying Dutchman. It's was a, it? It, yeah. it was released, I think, or licensed to a label in New York, but it's actually made in Norway, I think. Ah, I, I know okay. what it is. I can't remember what it's called. It's got a really n normal title, something just like Electronic Jazz or something like that. Do you want me to tell you what it is? What's it called? It's George Russell, Electronic Sonata for Souls Loved by Nature. Right. But yeah, jazzy, jazzy, jazzy. It sounds brilliant. But with, mm. with a bit of electronic thrown in. You see, I don't mind if there's a bit of a... Like others, a little bit of electronic stuff thrown in. Yeah, you do Atmospheric. It's like having a big plate of rich food. Right. It's very, it's very rich. <laughs> I'd, say it's very, I'd say it's very Moorish, and I'm going to have a listen to this from the top. Drifting off like I'm at sea. Yeah, I mean, even though it's 
got a few crazy jazz bits in there. It's actually quite listenable. Mm. I think I'm quite surprised at myself recently. I think that of the last few randomoniums that I've done, I've been digging in the good piles, haven't I? Because yeah. I've found nothing, no no real stinkers, nothing really offensive. I'm going to have to get my hands you need to go to deep into the vault. You need to go to the, the back cupboard. <laughs> you need to go to the cupboard on the left-hand side of the chimney oh, breast. Oh, that one. Uh, don't go arm. there. Don't That's go where I keep there. the crap. I lost, I, I, I lost an arm when I went. <laughs> There's a shelf called uh, Mainstream American Pop Music oh in there. You could, yeah. Right, yeah. I'm going to go delving in there but, next yeah. time. But Notice you didn't tell your nose about that, though, Jane. There's no. two Eastern European shelves there. You would be able to find uh, music of varying quality on those babies. <laughs> <laughs> right, OK, well, I'm going to let this one live I'm keeping it. Yeah, this you can ace. keep it. You can keep it. Genre Pacific I feel at your it's house. So then. generous these days. Bit. You sort of like just go to the eastern cupboard and you'll get stuff out of there. Yep. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. You keep on top of that. No. No. Stop making out to Pete that there's any organisation to I your know, record. I know, Jane. I know. He's trying it on. He's, he's trying just, aren't it. Aren't they generally just in bags of stuff all over the there's place? It's just bags, and I think he's just good, bad, maybe. But the system. There is a system, but it's yeah. only in your own head. Well, you couldn't write that down. It's like some sort of very complicated equation. It's just a map. The, the, how, the, the house is a map. <laughs> it's a map, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. What about space music, then? Where does that go? On the roof. So, it is psychedelic soul. It's working, isn't it? It you, is. I'm tripping. I'm tripping. Are you tripping? Um, I don't know. I don't know if I'm tripping. I'm definitely... Um... I'm hearing strange noises around the cottage, though. Yeah, exactly. In fact... All right, okay, it's the door. Sure. Uh, okay, would you like to go and. Uh, I don't know who we're expecting. I think I know who it is. All right, here they are. Ah, look, here we are. Look at them. More friends. <laughs> it's Boney and Stan, all the way from Preston, to bring some um, psychedelic soul to the proceedings. All right, two, ex- two experts yes. from, uh, from uh, a different part of the country. Yeah, long time friend of mine, Mark. We go way back. All the way from psychedelic Preston. <laughs> Does it still have the world's biggest bus station, Preston? Uh, second biggest in Europe. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure somebody's gazumped them. Two psychedelic cell experts do we have here? Is it safe to say you can talk on their behalf? I know they're not m- mute, but uh, would you say you've called on two guys on the money here? Yeah, I think Stan's Stan, Stan soul roots go way back. Mm, yeah, they do. My soul roots go... That's a wrap. Ah, where, it all be- where it all began. You in two rapping, were you? We were, yeah, we were rappers, weren't we, Mark? Yeah, both in the English countryside. Low yeah. slung jeans. You still, as a grown man, have your jeans halfway down your backside, don't you? What's that all about? It's all them uh, metal adapters in my back pockets <laughs> pulling my jeans. It's all that cash you're dealing with, weighing your trousers down. Let's let's put an archetypal Andy and Mark tune down. This is uh, what, uh, what probably considered a, very much a bargain bin record, but this was the ca- these were the kind of records that me and Mark were listening to when we were growing up. This is Barcase. Around the world, Finders Keepers radio show. Are you sure? I don't... Yeah, okay.
You're listening to the Finest Keepers Radio Show from somewhere in the English countryside. It's Tax Records, the uh, the Bar Case. Is that one of the records that you and Mark bonded on, Boney, your friend here, your best friend? Well, the thing is, I used to hate the sound of guitar. When I was 16, 17, I hated guitars. I think we started listening to these sort of records by chance coming out of James Brown and then it was, let's listen to whatever we can and we were chopping and changing all over the show. But the Bar Case, for example, it just segued into some of the early hip-hop we were listening mm-hmm. to as well and it was it just made that connection. Mark was the first person I ever knew with a record collection. I right. knew my mates had records, they had boxes of records and I met Mark at a radio station. Um, Which radio station? Sunset Radio. Oh, well, I was answering days. phones on the Out to Distress rap Mike show. Mike there then? Leaky he was Fresh there. in the house. Yeah, yeah. Leaky yeah. Fresh, Leaky, Leaky Fresh. fresh. Yeah, he used Whatever to... happened to Leaky? He's out oh, there. Is he still yeah, out there? He's is he? out there, oh, yeah. he's out and about. Yeah, yeah. 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 The first time Mark, he said, right, I'll come round and I'll bring all my records with me. Right. And he literally bought his entire record collection. What was it? Was it um, across the we, Cheshire border? Across the Cheshire border. <laughs> yeah, passport I mean. control. Mark was my mentor. I had never seen a record collection. You know, I used to see like John Peel on the TV mm. with walls of records behind him. I used to go, well, that's weird. What's yeah. that? Like an office or a vault <laughs> or something? I didn't understand it. Yeah. You know, and I was sort of like 14, 15, 16. But I went to Mark's house in, in Northwich and he goes, oh, wait till you get to my house. I've got a shelf. And I was like, wow, what, what, what have you got a, a shelf? Whole for? Sh- a whole shelf and of things. He could stand in front of it. It's difficult. I didn't really have anything to benchmark it off, so when I said I'd come round and bring the records, I just thought, I'll bring all my records. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, yeah. right. So where you at now, Mark? Let's like, so the keep, okay. uh, keep on the brief with Psychedelic Soul. What are you going to yeah. play us? Right, so, kind of thinking about heavier guitar soul records, and um, dug something out by Rosetta Hightower, which is on the Toast label, so it's a British label, but she's an American-imported singer and she does a cover of Big Bird, which is an Eddie Floyd record. Mm. So the guitar kind of links in with the brief here of the psychedelic soul, but people would maybe say it's like a mod banger, as they say on the scene today, but I think I think this crosses over and gives us a bit of a flavour of what, what psychedelic soul can mean. Because right. it's a broad church, it's yeah, right across. Should we stick it on? Here yeah, we go. So send down your wings 
Rosetta Hightower. I know Rosetta Hightower for that Labby Sifri cover. Yeah, she did some work produced by Ian Green in the UK, so she did a cover of Rocking Chair, which right. was a Labby Sifri record that we were all big on in the day. Is it mm. on, was it on that, which, not on Remember My Song, is no, it? That's the rare singer one. singer in the song, so it was before, oh, it was around 72, wasn't it? It was a, it, within the scene that coined the phrase folk funk, it was a folk funk. I think funk so, yeah. Record, I think it? it hit that, that sort of bench, really. Folk mm. funk and... That single then is <clears throat> 45 only. 45 only, yeah. Her LP came out on CBS, which was kind of obviously a mainstream. That one was on Toast. <sighs> toast. Mm, yeah, do a bit fact, of that. I could, in, fact, yeah. in fact, I could do the coffee break. Oh, just me too. Can you I know, join you? Is it okay? Are you just going off with your friends? You know what I mean by coffee break? I think I might know what you mean. A big break. A big break. Which, which, I, which I think has got something to do with Dennis Coffee. <laughs> who's been mentioned about three or four times already in this first hour. Well, Dennis is always around us. When it comes to psychedelic soul, he's omnipresent. He is. I can feel feel his energy in the room. Good. Well, you know, the thing is, I've always thought this record by the Buona Vistas kickback, and I've I've gone as far as looking on on the World Wide Web, and there are rumours that it is Dennis Coffey. How can we make make that fact become reality, or that fiction become fact? Ideally, we need to get in contact with Dennis. I'm sure there's a psychedelic way we could do that. Are you from that side? Are you from the psychedelic side? We could send a psychedelic carrier pigeon. What, a brightly uh, a purple one? Or we could all hold hands. Ooh, I'm going then. Come on, right, hang on, come on, stand. Come on, Boney, come on, all together, come on. Keep going. Make him ring. The rooms begin to shake. The rooms begin to shake. He's going to ring. Glowing red, the phone. Uh, yeah, I'll get it. Are you sure? Uh, are you th- are you there, Dennis? Is that is that Dennis? Is it, is it you, Dennis? Dennis? Dennis, are you there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. It's Dennis, Dennis Coffee. Wow! It couldn't be 
a psychedelic soul show without <laughs> a coffee break. Yeah. This is the man. This is forget about the the black your black Bob Dylan. This I know. is this is yeah. the white Jimi Hendrix, yeah. Sussex Records A and R superhero, super producer, avant garde axe man, honorary. It might as well have been a signee of Def Jam Records for the fact that yeah. LL Cool J and Public Enemy owe everything from their first records to him. Dennis, the, uh, you've played with everyone. I played with George Clinton and uh, on the I Want to Testify record, and I was on the first Funkadelic album. I played some stuff on that. Yeah, but you've you played with, uh, especially Randy Troit, Volumes, Precisions, and then you went on to work with uh, Motown, because you were that sophisticated rock record sound of Motown with The Temptations of Norman Whitfield. That was you with your Plex and your little effects, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, you know, the first session I did at Motown was the Wah Wah pedal on Cloud Nine for The Temptations, and then I did... All the stuff uh, up until just my imagination, actually. How much did Norman Whitfield have on the whole project? Was he just letting you be free with your instrument and, and you were just filling in where the gaps were? Or did he did he have a kind of a, an idea of what he wanted on those records? Norman had lit, was listening to Sly Stone and a lot of people. What happened is I was doing jazz gig with Lyman Woodard on wow. organ and Melvin Davis on drums Amazing. and I started interjecting the wah-wah pedal mm-hmm. and the buzz tone mm-hmm. on that gig and then we got so hip in the psychedelic <laughs> thing that we actually opened up for the MC5 wow. and his name is Randy Ballroom here which, which mm. all the big artists you know uh, Clapton all those guys played that and uh, James Jamerson called me up, you know, because I knew James, and he mm. it was his band, and put me on with Hank Cosby, Stevie's uh, producer, and they hired me four nights a week to be involved in this wor- uh, workshop upstairs at Golden World. Part of the workshop idea is that producers could experiment without being on the studio clock or the union clock. Mm. So one of those sessions, uh, Norman brought in an arrangement, Cloud Nine, he wanted to do, and I saw the introduction, and I just pulled out the wah-wah pedal I had with me and put it on there, and Norman heard that he said wow that's what i want and within two weeks i was doing it on uh with the temptations was, was this equipment widely available to you were you using almost like prototypes of some of this stuff were you, was it like a testing ground for for a lot of those that, that like the echo plexes and the wow wars uh i first got an echo plex when i was playing with the royal tones we were doing clubs and it was so primitive in these clubs they didn't have a pa we had to put our own pa in and no one even had a reverb so I was using the Echoplex as, as our little slapback echo reverb for the voices. And then I ended up buying one myself, and then I used it on In the Rain with the Dramatics. That's the first time an Echoplex was used in an R&B record. Same thing with Cloud9. That was the first time a wah-wah pedal was used on an R&B record. Was it all warmly received, or were the people sort of like in the black music community that didn't like that sound? Because they were almost like freak freak sounds at the time weren't they uh they were and uh and uh, i uh, had uh, run into a guy who uh, on the cloud nine session he was playing tambourine because uh, jack ashford wasn't available for whatever and uh he was ended up being a producer over here on public television and i was doing a thing for public television and he was telling me he said when you first, because he was on that session playing tambourine, he says, you should have seen the looks on the faces of the Funk Brothers as they were looking <laughs> at you. I, he says, I they didn't know what to make of it. So how did your relationship start with Sussex? What was what was that all about? Well, you know, Sussex started where uh, Mike Theodore and I were uh, working together 
trying to get a production deal. And the first uh, group that we actually did was Rare Earth. We produced an album on them and arranged it. And uh, it was uh, called, they were called the Sunliners then, and it was on MGM Venture. And Clarence was involved with that label, so we got to know Clarence when they put that album out on the Venture label. Then I uh, was doing this instrumental of this uh, Isley uh, Brothers song called It's Your Thing. And it was going over well in the club because so I had that funky fuzz tone on it. So Mike and I did a master of that song. And Mike sent that song to Clarence Avon, and I handed a copy of it to uh, uh, Hank Cosby on a Motown session. You've brought that with you, Stan, coincidentally. Uh, yeah, I have. It's nice that uh, Dennis has mentioned that. It's probably my favourite track by him. Collaboration with Lyman Wood is just fantastic. Let's hear how loud it is off the 45. That's essentially like the, the the start of hair and fangs, isn't it? I mean, what was the reaction to, to that record? You know, within, I don't know, three or four weeks, Clarence Avon said, I love the record. He gave me and Mike an album deal to do this hair and fangs album. Mm. And uh, so we're ready to go in the studio. And then all of a sudden, Hank Cosby comes up and says, well, Barry loves that record, man. He wants to sign you up to wow. Motown. Mm, so how, how, right. d- how did, I mean, you know, from Motown to like, you know, the mm-hmm. birth of Scorpio. I mean, what, what did you do then? What I did was I sat in my basement to get to the Scorpio story, because This Your Thing came out and was a big hit here in town, but it really wasn't a national hit. And the label, that piece of it was going under, so that's why Clarence started his own label. And that, that kind of morphs into the Scorpio thing, because that was the second album. I mean, there's like an entire generation now across the world that Scorpio is sort of ingrained in their brain through... I mean, this is where your sampling career took off, really, isn't it? I remember I went, I went on holiday when I was about 12 years old and I took a copy of Public Enemy's first album and I took a copy of LL Cool J's third album with the track Jingling Baby, which sampled... Black Belt Jones as well as Scorpio and I was a Dennis Coffey fan without even knowing it at that stage. I mean it wasn't like there were weren't big sellers at, at the time. I mean Scorpio was huge, but they were also the records that galvanized your career that would would, would happen again twenty or if not thirty years later. Uh, Scorpio, absolutely, because what had happened was uh, my middle son James came to me one day and he had 20 cassettes of all the people who sampled my stuff. So uh, I called Clarence Avon, and Clarence owned the copyright of those records, which means every drum beat and everything else, and they were songs that I had written. And at the time when I called Clarence, he was chairman of the board of Motown in New York. You know what? He says, I'm going to talk to all the label presidents. And he says, instead of this thing becoming a whole, everybody suing everybody, just 
chewing up all kinds of resources. I'm going to try and get you guys some money, and we're going to figure out a way amongst ourselves so that you'll start getting paid. And then I started getting part writing on all these sample songs. And so I started getting paid. And Clarence was the one that put that okay. together, and I didn't sue anybody. But, but the Scorpio thing with the Detroit Guitar Band started where I was sitting in my basement, and I had a sound-on-sound sound recorder, and I just decided I would do uh, write 10 songs, and I would uh, demo them in my basement, and I'd do sound-on-sound sound and put the horn and strings guitar stuff on there. And I played that for Mike Theodore, and he loved it, and he sold the idea to Clarence, and then we had a, a deal with his new Sussex label to do the Evolution album. Oh, it was the Funk Brothers on that, wasn't it? Jack Ashford was on that and a number of the other... other yeah, other... yeah, the people on Scorpio, I had uh, Bob Babin on bass, who did that amazing bass solo. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, then, yeah, and then I had Earl Van Dyke on keyboards, and I had Pistol Allen and Uriel Jones on drums, I had Bongo Eddie and Jack Ashford, uh, you know, Bongo? On yeah, pretty impressive. impressive. So I had pretty much the whole rhythm section except for the guitars. I did the arrangements, and I played rhythm guitar during the session. Mm. And then the guitar band stuff was myself and my friend Joe Podorsik, who played guitar, and Raymond Ed from Rare Earth. I wrote, uh, there's nine guitars doing the melodies on Scorpio because I wrote them out like horn parts, and we all sat in there in sections and overdubbed them. It's interesting to hear that you said that you wrote it out like horn parts because because if you take a record like Scorpio and then there's the track Outrageous off uh, the Instant uh-huh. Coffee album. I mean, they're, 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 they're amazing records, but they're quite unlike virtually anything else of that time. It was, it's not like the novelty instrumental albums. They're almost like... They're not far from sort of classical avant-garde arrangements. And, I mean, how do you feel about that? You were quite unlike anyone else, and it's hard to understand where what you were really influenced by well you know what i was always uh you know i studied harmony and theory at wayne state university and i, I learned from you know studying the classical composers and i was heavily into jazz all the time uh, i was uh, in the uh in about 68 i was playing at maury baker's so i was influenced by classical music and jazz and of course uh, I did pop initially, like I played on uh, Del Shannon's Handyman and with the Royal Tones, I was doing the pop stuff. But once I got into the R&B stuff, you know, then I ended up doing the dramatics. I became almost like a psychedelic R&B guy, but it's always about doing new things. You know, I got to play with Les Paul before he died. Every time I do a song, I do it different. Outrageous thing was all just put together out of my brain and just I wrote out all the stuff for the guys and that's what it was. And in order to really get the sound of the guitar thing that I wanted, I actually had to actually detune a couple of the guitar strings to give me that edgy, out of spatial sound on it. And poor Jamerson, I drove him crazy <laughs> to, to, to get someone like Jamerson and surprise him with some music that was really challenging. Outrageous is exactly what it says on the tin. It's like unlike anything. 
Was there anyone uh, sort of who was doing a similar thing to you at the time that a kindred spirit that we might not know about? Because for us, obviously, you're one one of one of your own, one of a kind. But there must have been other people around who influenced you or influenced by similar things. You know, when I first started out, I was uh, influenced by Jimmy Reed. You know, and, mm-hmm. and I do some of his songs. In fact, when I opened up uh, for Rodriguez in London, I did. Uh, I sang a Jimmy Reed blues song to a 5,000 people and cranked it out. You know, there's a few names here that, that around the sort of Sussex. You've already mentioned Rodriguez. There's, a, there's a, a, quite an unknown character called Paul Parrish. Do you remember him? You know, I'm just putting it in a blog, right? Uh, probably it's almost done. It'll be on my website, DennisCoffeeSite.com. And I just started listening to the Paul Parrish album again because a lot of the cuts are on YouTube. And it's kind of amazing because Mike and I were, you know, trying to get some arranging gigs and uh, Clay McMurray who was uh, a Motown producer writer but he wasn't at the time called us to do this thing on Paul Parrish so we listened to it because we really liked what the guy was doing Paul Parrish reminds me of you braver tell me is it Bobby Gentry that kind of arrangement something very foreboding and strange about it oh yeah you know like a, a take on sort of folky songs like Son of yeah, a Preacher there's something and, slightly off kilter with it, with, with it isn't it I can't I, work it out I think if you had them timpanies and that yeah. flute and stuff like that I mean you know you'll be able to tell us Dennis well, I bet mm. that was a whole different range of baroque instruments and influences that, that you used on that what, what, what did you have in the studio we used like oboes and bassoons and from the Detroit Symphony and wrote out the charts and uh, I just listened to it uh, like I say a few days ago and it, that stuff was really nice yeah who was Paul Parrish uh, he was just uh, a folk singer, writer, played guitar, maybe some piano, and uh, Clay McMurray found him. And uh, uh, so it was just we did the arrangements and uh, met him on the session, and then that was it. We didn't have any contact with him after that. The Music Factory label was the label of that. Mike and I were signed as producers, arrangers, writers. I was signed as an artist and A and R. That was that's what we did. You know, and then we recorded a group, like a psychedelic group called Mutsy. We did an album on them. And uh, we had different groups that we recorded for Sussex. 
But that, that was basically our job, and we signed Brad Regas with Sussex. OK, Dennis, we were just wanting to maybe just drill and ask a bit more about the Lyman Woodard organisation and the, the relationship you had with him and the singles and the LP that you put out on Maverick, which included Hair and Thang. Lyman Woodard, is, uh, he was an amazing organ player. And how I met Lyman is uh, Don Davis was a guitar player back then. We used him on sessions, and he was a, he became the producer of all these. Uh, he, he was a Stax producer, but he lived here, and he was doing all these hits and stuff. Uh, so he told me, called me one day and said, uh, inviting me to come down because he was playing with George McGregor on drums and Lyman Woodard on B3 organ as a place, at a place called the Frolic Show Bar. And then uh, I went down there with Mike Theodore, and I sat in with the band. People really liked what I was doing. It was like a, just a funky jazz bar like so uh, Lyman approached me and said do you want to work with the band because Don Davis was leaving to devote more time to production so I joined the band and then after about a month George McGregor left and Melvin Davis came and played drums and then sang a few things so we were packing them in four nights a week at the Frolic show bar and it was just uh, and Lyman was just like an amazing B3 organ player man he had it going on <laughs> Can you just give us a bit of um, a breakdown of how you came about to write and produce the Black Belt Jones single? I went to Clarence Avon once, Mike Theodore and I had moved out to L.A., and I said, well, one of the reasons I figured L.A. would be a good spot, I'd like to do a film. And so Clarence had some friends at Warner Brothers, and he said, uh, well, they got this film that is already, the underscoring is done, and that was Jesus. And they said... Uh, but they need a main theme and a love theme as a marketing focus for the film because they didn't have that or didn't have it what they liked. So I was hired to do the main theme and the love theme. So when I did Black Belt Jones, I said, well, let me do something different again. Uh, I knew the, the singers in L.A. were all great sight readers. So I said, I'm going to write the melody for voices. And then I'm going to put the voices through a wah-wah pedal after I've recorded the voices. So I, I had uh, two guys and two gals, so I wrote out the parts for the singers. And then in the middle, I was do, said, I'm going to do a counterpoint thing with the voices. You know, because I studied uh, Bach counterpoint in college and stuff. I said, so let me do that. So that's that breakdown. Well, it's been fascinating talking to you, Dennis. I know you're out working most weeks. Uh, there's a book, if you want to read more about Dennis's life, you've got a book out? Is it Guitars, Bars? What was the title of the thing? Oh, yeah, Guitars, Bars, and Motown Superstars. It's yeah. on Be Cool Publishing over there and University of Michigan Press yeah. over uh, here. And your website is? DennisCoffeeSITE.com. It's lovely to talk to you, Dennis. Uh, well, you know, as long as people want to hear me blab, uh, <laughs> feel free to give me a call. And, I think we've all enjoyed know. it immensely, Dennis. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah, me too. Okay. Well, thanks, uh, thanks a lot for the time. Okay. Right. Cheers. Uh, there we go. The uh, the incredible Dennis Coffee. It's always nice to meet your heroes at the at the. At it the, is indeed. Keepers Cottage. That was good, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, good, yeah. That was pretty good. Yeah. Good. He mentioned Lyman Woodard because we've brought one yeah. of the LPs that he made without Dennis Coffee, unfortunately. But this is a pretty heavy tune called Creative Musicians Ooh. by the Lyman Woodard Organisation. Yeah. 
Around the world, Finders Keepers Radio Show. Psyched out, are you? I am, yeah. I, I, I don't it's know if that's a weird that, se- sense in the in the, the keeper's cottage. Yeah, I think it's that uh, that sort of you know when a poltergeist sort of leaves yeah. a smell, a crackle of electricity. Yeah, in yeah, it's, it's weird, isn't it? Oh, yeah. unless oh, hang on, I know it's what that is. Hello, tapeworm. Uh, how you doing? How you doing, everyone? All right, all right thanks. Oh, God, but it smells a bit funky in here. It smells a bit funky in here. You not heard a glade? Get a, not heard a shake. In fact, what? A, what bloody hell! Open that window. Yeah. Open that window. We want that. We want to retain the heavy funk in here. Oh, heavy funk. Why? What are you doing? What are you doing this month? We're just funking out, and we're tripping, and we're on, uh, you know, we're just, we're on one. What's the brief, Pete? The brief is psychedelic. Psychedelic soul. Soul music? Mm. I don't, you, you haven't played Funky Worm, have you? Well, that, that's moving into our our territory, all of that, you know that. Do you, do you, do you, know, do you know the Funky Worm? I know 
him personally. Really? Some friend of mine, the funky worm, yeah. Oh yeah, that's one of my that's one of my old buds. I used to go to discos and that. We used to frequent a, f- a famous spot for soul music called the the Wiggle Casino. I remember a whole coachload of worms coming down from Scotland weekly to to the the Wiggle Casino. Wiggle Casino, yeah. The, the Twisted Worm. And they used to sell records on the counter as well as alcohol, which mm. for some of my size has always led to trouble. But anyway, that I suppose that's eventually I got out of the 45 game and I moved to cassettes, as you well know. Which is why I've returned to the Keeper's Cottage to bring you a few more finds. It's still funky, though, this new one that I've got. Have a look at the front of this cassette. Wow, look at that. You know what? That looks like Frank Zappa. It does look like Frank Mm. Zappa. A lot of people said it's from Turkey. And it's a guy called Barish Mancho. He's very, very well known over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, he does some, some fantastic records. Actually, Barish Mancho did a psychedelic funk record himself called 2023. And it looked a lot like um, that placebo syndrome by um, George Clinton and Funkadelic, or was it Parliament, what had a comic inside? But anyway, th- th- there's a few bits later on after that came out on cassette only, and this one is called Taxim. Only available on cassette. I love it. It's got a funky beat, so I think it fits into your show. It- cassette only, Barris Mancho, Taxim, and it's complete with a funky breakbeat. <laughs> Mancho with Taxim, mm. good sounds. Look, what do you think it tape box? I thought it was impressive. I like the record, but he, the, the, he, it's rather hairy, hirsute uh, gentleman with the, what, only the moustache mis, resembles some sort of slug. Oh, God, don't, don't talk to me about slugs. Yeah, you're right, though. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he has got a slug and he's. he's, he's I, I, I tried to grow some facial hair once, but I started to look a little bit like a caterpillar and got uh, unwanted due attention from <laughs> from uh, the rooks and the crows. So, uh, anyway, yeah. But uh, turkey, you know, I love it. Um, and I always come back with some, some bangers, and I think you'll agree that was... Uh, was it in keeping with your funky show? I don't often hand out compliments, but it was absolutely on the funking money. Oh, Bob on, Bob on. So, well, if I was to leave now, we'd be leaving on favourable terms. First time ever. Okay then, Pete. Well, it was lovely to see you, and, and it was lovely, lovely, to, lovely to see everybody else. And lovely to see you, Tate Worm. Ta-ta! Bye!
You're listening to the Finders Keepers radio show from the Keepers Cottage somewhere in the English countryside. 50-foot hose uh, uh, covering the, the Billy Holiday song, uh, God Bless the Child. Some weird sort of analogy thing noises going on in there. What noises? All through the record. I didn't hear any noises. Mm-hmm. I it was a bit weird. Hearing things. I heard a lot of cr- crackle and pop on it, though. Yeah, that's... Well, I've had, the, I've had a lot of these records since I was a, a Child. teenager. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, at least they're loved. Yeah, well, and worn out. Well loved. Yeah, yeah. I have no plan to sell. <laughs> yeah. Would you sell me that for tenner? <laughs> <laughs> v- a-, a V minus. Oh, be- you're all- now, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is Andy Votel's marking system. My- a V minus is what the worst. A V minus is my grade. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. what is ex- acceptable to play? Yeah, A V. Yeah. Nothing below A V minus gets on on the radio. I mean, look, I'll show you a mint record now. Look at look at this this. Yes. Oh, I can oh. see my f- stubbly face in that. Hang on a minute. I had a record that I was going to play, but it uh, keep moving around in here. It's like, have you got a bloody poltergeist? No, I thought it was your stomach rumbling. It's, 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 the whole building's... Because there was weird noises a little bit before. It's all... St- Magnus. It's something above... It feels like there's something uh, above us. It's magnetism in the pen iron, darling. It's really... Hang on a minute. It is getting a bit cold. It's a bit weird, isn't it? Isn't it? That's definitely something outside the door. Come on. Starting to feel a bit, a bit queasy. A bit sick. What is that? I don't know. Oh my god. Give me a doctor. It's a weather balloon. It's going dark, Pete. Like Hangar 51. Whoa. Oh. Oh my. No, it's not. It can't possibly be, could it? I said is I it? needed a doctor. Yeah? Well, it's Dr. Funkenstein himself. It's, it's George, George Clinton! Clinton. Uh, how you doing, George? How are you feeling? I've been deeply de-ticked, and I got my rabies shot, right. and I'm ready to bury the bone. Roof, roof. Welcome aboard. Uh, roof, glad to be here. Did you, you arrive doing? in the English countryside in your spaceship, George? I parked it right outside. I double parked it right <laughs> God, I'm, I'm glad it's I'm glad it's Dr. Funkenstein himself. Yeah, me too. It's getting a bit spooky then. The walls were shaking. It, the author of mm. the first uh, black funk occult mm. record, Maggot Brain. Would you agree on that? I mean, you, very psychic. Would you uh, regard it as a psychedelic soul album? Jimi Hendrix had made the mark, and Cream had made the mark of psychedelic, and it was almost ending by the time we got started. So between Free Your Mind and then Maggot Brain. We were trying to say, well, we late, but we gonna do where y'all left, where y'all left off at. We we ain't think, we don't think it's over. So we did Maggot Brain and all the feedback and all of the sound on sound slapback echo. And Eddie Hayes is such a beautiful guitar player that it was that initial song um, song from Funkadelic hmm. that people identify us with from a rock from the rock world. Did you hang? Would you would you know the likes of Sabbath and Zepp and, and, and Purple? Would you know these people? Did you yes, mix with them? Oh, yes. And like I said, they won so albums, so that's why the song was so long. Hmm. You know, Deep Purple, Black Sabbath, the song was the whole side of the record.
But even before you hear the music on Maggot Brain, you get this sort of cinematic, yeah. conceptual horror film vibe. And then on the original issue, yeah. the sleeve notes inside have got these mad, sort of dystopian, yeah. sort of um, <clears throat> bleak <clears throat> poetry. These liner notes about sort of yeah. uh, fear and fear and destruction and all oh, that. Oh, that was from a, a process of the process church. Yeah. And they're based out of London. There was a, a, ch- a church from the Rosicrucians. It's one of their factions. We didn't know who they were. We, all we knew was they was weird looking. They had black robes on with crosses on them. And they fed the kids in Boston, in the, um, the, the Boston Park. They would feed the kids while, you know, unwed mothers go to work. That was their thing. They took. They were like the first daycare center, and we thought it was pretty cool. And when I read that thing on fear, you know, you know, the devil and God got to get together and settle their differences. Quite and a dark, murky world. It was real dark, but it was definitely funkadelic style. We got in a lot of trouble for that. I mean, it must have been controversial. I mean, it's sort of almost like a predecessor to those sort of black exploitation horror films like Petey Wheatstraw and Blackula and. Ganja and Hess and stuff like that. I mean, you know, you could tell horror films or horror was driving you. I mean, what were you into? I'm I'm from the old school of Dracula, mm. you know, and they became funny by the time you know they became Dracula and Frankenstein. Frankenstein. That was my once the film, the dog film, got into Damon. And the, what's the other one? The girl spitting the pea soup. Oh, exorcist. Yes, of course. I don't like to mess around when it started messing with church. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> As well though they was they were awesome you know i mean i remember when i was like 13 14 i picked up the the bop gun comic inside the placebo syndrome album i mean overton lloyd and pedro bell i mean you know are you still in touch with those people I mean, they were amazing overton lloyd still live with me right now and pedro bell just did the the latest funkadelic album we have out right now called first you gotta shake the gate with 33 songs on it and a pedro bell's cover, first cover he's done, you know, like I said, in years. He's done a few of what we mix, Parliament, Funkadelic, and P-Funk All-Stars, but this is the first Funkadelic album, and Over to Lord is doing the Parliament album, which will be out the end of this year. What is the concept of the clones of Funkenstein? What was the concept? Oh, genetic demodifying people to be funky. We're all funky, George. We're all funky. I, I love that detail as well on the back of uh, the Dr. Funkenstein album. Like, you've got mm. the... It's like Hitchcock meets Logan's Run mm. or mm. something. And I quite like that link, like the Parliament of Crows being the yeah. ornithological term. Yeah. Are they like... Were they like your your children? Yeah, the children of production. We are children of production produced in conjunction with the urgency of our Dr. Funkenstein. In his wisdom, he foreknotion the shortcomings of your condition. So we, the clones, were designed. We're going to blow the cobwebs out your mind. We are deeper than abortion, deeper than notion that the world was flat when it was round. 
Some poetry from George Clinton in the Keeper's Cottage. Yes. Yes. Tell me about your relationship with Ruth Copeland. Tell me about Ruth. Ruth was married to the NR, um, Jeffrey Bourne, at, first at Motown, then at Invictus. And he was trying to record her. She was going to be, it was his wife. He was going to make her into Diana Ross. So he hooked her and myself up. That's how I got a good budget for Osmium, but helping, you know, working with her to do her record. She was uh, in uh, Northern England in her history of her family. That's, that's what you said, Stan. Yeah. Ruth Copeland um, was a blues and folk singer from Concert in County Durham. Ah, right, OK. So that's where Silent Boat Man come from. You know, and she was a songwriter. That's how we got hooked up with her. And she wanted to be, you know, a Janis Joplin or Mary Clayton. Stan played me a good example of a Ruth Copeland composition by George, uh, which uses which the, the unison of Sweet Soul and Bagpipes, quite a rare combination. Right, it must be the only one. <laughs> what, is it, the, uh, it must be the only one. Rufus Harley. Oh, yeah. Rufus oh, Harley, oh, yeah. Scotch and Soul. It's, it's, the only, it's the only record I've got in my collection with bagpipes on. Oh, um, so it's no accident that, uh, given she's from that part of the country, that she'd be well versed in the, uh, the kind of borders folk music, of which this is an example. This is the Finders Keepers show from somewhere in the English countryside. We're doing a, a psychedelic show, which is so broad, the, the, the genre, the subject. We've got psychedelic soul, we have Ruth Copeland from the north of England, and we have bagpipes. Bagpipes, psychedelic soul. And it's not the only, it's not the only soul record with bagpipes on it. Are you sure about this? As you say, well, earlier with Dennis, we played P- Paul Parrish, yeah, which was yeah. soul folk. Yeah. So, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's broad. Yeah, I know. Psychedelia is broad. Well, we're illustrating that on All this, you have uh, to do is look at... The, he, uh, famous electronic auction sites and any record before 1980 is dubbed as psychedelia. It's a handy tag. Exactly. But, you know, revolutionary, mm, more, oh. re- more revolution rap. Yeah. Were you familiar with other black psychedelic revolutionaries such as, you know, we had Eugene McDaniels and uh, Black Nasty in the Rotary Connection yeah. and all, you know, yeah. Stepney and all well, this shit. Sydney Barnes was my partner and produced in Rotary Connection. Him and many. Sydney left me and went to Rotary when we did, you know, Testify. We was partners right up into Testify. He went and got to Rotary with many and I didn't see him anymore until we got ready to do Mothership Connection. Wow. So the, he was there and you could tell 
because they were really experimental, Rotary Connection, that time, wow. which was like an early beginnings of Psychedelic Soul again, which yeah. we began talking and about. And that was, you know, that was, um, you know, that was um, the same uh, Charles Stephanie. Who, Charles Stephanie's like the, a hero, yeah. the, a hero mm-hmm. of the whole genre. Mm-hmm. He also did Earth, Wind and Fire, too. So that, later on, we would run into that same sound again. With Earth, Wind, and Fire. Do you just f- fall into these revolutionaries and, and, and characters? I look for them. I look for the people that's outside the box who's doing strange stuff and then try to mix what we're doing or ideas that I have with what's going on with them. And who was the, who was the best of that bunch? Who was the kind of, who was the most out there of them all? Was Sly. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. And Junie Morrison from the Ohio Players, he played One Nation with us, Knee Deep. He was another one that people don't know him personally. Mm. And, but he was like, that sound we have with Knee Deep and One Nation, that, that comes from the Juni side of, of us. Even if we go back to Testify, you always had brilliant psychedelic session musicians. Dennis Coffey played on your records as well, didn't he? He yeah. played a lot of the first tone guitar Coffey, with the Echoplex for the Temptations. Yeah, while we watching both of them. Yeah. And they hadn't even played for Motown yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Once they played for us, and people saw that the psychedelic thing was happening, Sly Stone mm. and us was the only two doing it. Then the Temptations started. Um, we were talking to Dennis earlier, um, and we couldn't help getting involved in the sample the sample story and that extra lease of life that came along with sampling technology but you continue to revolutionize even that with this concept called a little bit of disc and a little bit of dat where you started making new tunes and further confusing the record diggers and the sample hounds i remember like blowing up the spot was a track by Gangstar, and it had this amazing riff that record diggers just couldn't find. I mean, what was Sample Some of Disc and Sample Some of Dat all about? Well, they were sampling our music all over the place. You know, all the mothership and all that had been already been sampled. They was mining for, for samples out of the catalog of people. We had a bunch of records that they had never heard of, which we called the Family Series. We put out a series of records that was cut on the same sessions with Chocolate City and Mothership, but never came out. Mm-hmm. And when we put the records out, we also broke them up into tracks and pieces called Sample Summer Disc and some of that parts we thought they would, would like to sample. If I move the rhythm guitar out of the way, you can sample it. If, if I move the horns out of the way, you might want to sample it. If I move the voices out of the way. Mm. We gave it to them in different clusters that they could sample some of this and some of that. Ah, right. I, I can see that Pete's still getting into the, the Bob Gun comic over yeah. here. Where is... Sir knows void of funk he's now. At, he's at the hotel. <laughs> really? So he's not out fighting the continuous battle between the placebo, placebo syndrome yes. and funk and telekey, or however you say it. Funk and telekey versus the placebo syndrome. Who wins? Funk and telekey always wins. All right. Well, it's um, it's been a pleasure having you at the finest keepers cottage somewhere in the English countryside. You're going to take your spaceship and go elsewhere now. Yeah, aren't we you? go transcend into another cosmos somewhere. Right. I guess you'll dematerialize, magnetize, <laughs> mystify, and mutate for for many years to come. Thanks, George. It's been a pleasure, the legendary George Clinton. Thank you so much. Funkenstein. Funkenstein.
Well, I'm Pete Mitchell. We have uh, Andrew Votel and a host of many stars. This is the uh, Finders Keepers radio show from the Keepers Cottage, somewhere in the English countryside. That's kind of in fitting in an odd sort of way. There's a bit of a Temptations vibe to I, it. I, I had to play something from Singapore to, to mm. blow the, the space spider's <laughs> cobwebs well, out, out, of the, out of the way. What, uh, He's left a lasting impression there, George, hasn't he? Uh, Jane seems suitably yeah, impressed. Yeah. Jane, you, you've got a, a, a George Clinton... You've got history with George, oh, haven't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. yes. Oh, yeah, lovely George. Yeah, a long, long time ago, actually. It must have been, like, the early 90s. He did um, a show in Manchester at Manchester Academy with the P-Funk Horns, and me and my friend Carolyn uh, went along in my camper van, <laughs> and she was friends, as you knew, his manager, Archie Ivy. so we got into the concert, and then we met George and some of the P-Funk Horns, and then after the show... Um, Archie and George and one of the people, Greg from the P-Funk Horns, decided that instead of getting in the tour bus to go back to their hotel, <laughs> they would come with me in my camper van. Right. <laughs> and and uh, so George Clinton comes out with all these multicoloured dreads and, like, you know, through the crowds. And everybody's like, people who are new throwing themselves at him, going, George, I love you. Yeah. And I was like, get in my crappy camper van with loads of bells and whistles on the on the front of it and uh, I'll take you to the hotel. And his manager, his tour manager, ran up to me. Uh, this woman and she said like do not go missing with him don't you dare you know you you need to realize but yeah he, he was lovely and then well, we went back to the hotel oh yeah he made me stop on route to the hotel he said i need some ice cream right. i was like god it was about you know 12 o'clock at night and the only place we could find was um, a takeaway which sold uh, iranian uh, pistachio nut ice cream That's and we bought nice. about three tubs of that and we sat in the hotel eating what was the topic cream. of conversation while you were driving through manchester <laughs> in your camper van <laughs> you, 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 you were terrified i was terrified of his tour manager and uh, also it was kind of pre-sat nav and mm. you know mobile phones really so yeah. it was literally trying to find out where this hotel was and he even got lost on the way and we, we arrived back at the hotel a long time after the rest of the entourage and his tour manager was giving me the daggers. Oh, no, no. But he was all right, George. He's a he good guy. He was loving it. Yeah. He was loving it. He was yeah. sat on the back bench in my camper van, splayed <laughs> yeah. out with all his multiple dreads. Loving it. See, it's a better story than I can offer. <laughs> way, way, way better. So you were essentially Jane Weaver before she became Jane Weaver was... Uh, George Clinton's tour manager or driver? Yeah, I was, I yeah, was, I I was a driver for a couple of really? hours. Cornetto purveyor. Yeah, <laughs> but he's he's a very nice man. He's very warm and you know, out there. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty out there. Good story, the Jane. I like that one. A, <laughs> a bit few of... more if you want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, in the archive. What are you going to play for us, Jane? Yeah, go on. The, the, uh, oh, right, t- okay. Take us back to that, uh, the, that hedonistic time of driving around Manchester with George Clinton in your camper van. Well, I think I'm going to play Respect. Oh. Uh, Road Reconnection. Around the world... Finders Keepers Radio Show. What do you want? Baby, don't you know I got it? What do you need? Baby, baby, don't you know I got it? Yeah. 
baby, 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 why you gone? I can't do you wrong. Cause I don't wanna. You know, Who isn't? Mini Ripperton Records, there's a thing where, because of the pitch of a voice, if you've got a dodgy needle, so many original mini pressings mm-hmm. are knackered because... The wavering. Yeah. She self-destructs. A bit like oh, Man From Uncle, or was it Mission Impossible? Yeah. Just shows you... Yeah. What a sad story, yeah. Mini. Yeah, it was very, was very it? sad, yeah. I don't know. Died very, very early, yeah. 26 or something like that. Have you seen that footage where a lion attacks her? Oh, yeah, yeah. What, real? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she, she's, she's, recreate, yeah, she's recreating the cover of Adventures in Paradise. And, um, no way. This, the, the lion like, gives her a like, kangaroo punch. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She lived. To, she lived that. To, lived through that. Yeah, she lived through that. She lived through tons of stuff. Yeah. But, you yeah, know, yeah, but yeah. she... she uh, yeah, she's still... Uh, she still garners the respect of a nation. And entire soul community. I had a question to ask Stan, as being another soul font of knowledge. Now, the record here that I wanted to play the last hour or so, um, it straddles the genres of girl group and soul, and it's always something that I find hard to place. And it's the Hollywood Jills, He Makes Me So Mad. But I'm sure you said to me once that that was a bit of a, a, a club floor spin, but I don't. I, was it? Where does it fit in? Um, yeah, I mean, it was one of those uh, tunes that you used to get, you used to swap tapes with other collectors, and I first became aware of it uh, on, on that level, but I do remember it getting played in uh, in Scotland a couple of times, I think there was a particular DJ up there, I can't remember who off the top of my head, and um, played it a few times, and it was one of those Marmite records, um, like you, I mean, I can't place it, it's got elements of garage in it, and... Um, but I mean, it's just a great tune. All right, well, Scotland and Marmite's enough for me. <laughs> let's drop it. Let's have let's let's drop it. Yeah. He makes me 
reminded me of uh, I Want to Testify, rather, fitting that. Did so, it? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit of horn section, I thought, reminded me of that. And some strummy guitars. Who or what were Hollywood Jills? What is a Hollywood Jill? Uh, half of lager. Drink. Oh, it's a drink, American isn't it? American Imperial Measure. <laughs> that, you're right. I think you're not far off it. It was written by a guy called Sax Carey. Do you know who he is? Is that a guy? Is it a girl? And it's a bloke. Carrie. A record called Chocolate Fizz. Oh, Ooh, hang on a minute. Steady. Steady on. Slow down, baby. That's Ooh, one of his baby. Heard of him? Sax Carry. Mm. K A R I. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Answers on the postcard. <laughs> is it Nostradamus or is it just a knockoff? This is Sitaras in the eyes. So here we are with, of course, uh, Sitaras in the eyes. This is a. Uh, developed from the the stage version of you and uh, Griff Reese from Super Furry Animals, is That's that right? That's right, and, yes. Uh, you generally bring something along to catch somebody as dumb as me out, which is not too difficult, with something that sounds like something else. Yes, it's basically a vintage pop record. Right. Preferably not from the UK, which sounds suspiciously like a modern-day hit. Now, I'm not going to cast suspicions on which end... Yeah. of the process that is targeted. <laughs> Our friend Graham Massey has come back. Hello, Graham. Hello. Second visit. No, he's actually been to the Keeper's Cottage on a number of occasions. He's always He's in. always hanging he's around. Always There's always a bad smell when Graham Massey's around. <laughs> How dare <laughs> you? <laughs> With you and Tate Worm, I don't know who's the worm. The smell of your teepee. <laughs> he, he's bought a record. Right, unbeknown to us. And I suppose I should hand, hand it over to you, Graham. Yeah, well, yeah. well, I think this is a sitars in your eyes moment. Yeah, um, yeah, you yeah. know, I... I was trying to rack my brains what it was, but it's really obvious when you think about it. But let's let's give it a listen. Okay, here we okay, go. Okay, here we go. say I got it straight away. I'm not one to show off and t- t- try to put you in your place, uh, Andy. You said you've, you've not heard that before ever. God, I've heard that zillions of times. It's like school disco stroke it sort is, of, yeah. ma- maybe yeah, yeah, even yeah. early Precinct 13 days. Would that be right? That was like uh, a club. Warm? Oh, is, yeah. is he warm? Yes, he's warm. Yeah. But, yeah. but uh, you, you, I mean, it's so obvious that it's yeah. almost puzzlingly yeah. obvious. I've got it in this room. It's in this room, that record. It's in this very room. And um, has it been sampled, that, that track? The, uh, whatever. I don't know what the origin is of that. It's just it's like one of those classic riffs that's always been around or that, something. You know what I mean? It's kind of yeah. it's a word. That, you, know, you know that weird modulated sort of what whatever that is. That is just like you know that yeah. is basically what? that's a part of my youth. But I don't know what the record is. Can I t- can I say what what was so sitars in their eyes? What that was a version of a track or a track that suspiciously sounds like wordy rapping good by the Tom Tom Club. Woo! Correct. Thank you. Well, the wordy rapping hood. What is it? What is the original then? Uh, is, 
we've just heard. Well, who is it? Negligible original. Like, well, I yeah. don't. Th- this this is Bob Babbler's Dan Disco Dandia Volume Two. I don't know what the date of that is, but uh, I don't know. I, I suspect it could be the other way around. Well, I've know. even got that record, so that's how stupid I am. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> everyone's got that record, surely. Yeah, it's like a it's like a sort of um, well as as. It, it's what a uh, stars like on forty five. Yeah, it's kind of for weddings. You know, it's got all the hits from the movies <laughs> to a consistent beat. Yeah, uh, but yeah, the, the, the speeds go up and down, yeah. and the stick clicking. Yeah, I'm quite changes. pleased to get one over on you there. And, and, uh, what's it like to be on the wrong side of everything for a change? Well, I know. What's it, what's well, it feel like? Because I know the 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 uh, Bollywood version. I feel quite sort of like <laughs> exotically <laughs> exotically yeah. smug. But yeah. then you know, I'm only a young man. Yeah. Uh, so uh, thank you, Mr. Grey Massive. You're just coming Amazing. in to do sitars in their eyes. Sitars in their eyes. Uh, right, d- I'll, I'll get the bus now. Yeah. All right then. Just have one last slurp of your tea. Bye-bye, Graham. Well, the weird, the weird noises have, have gone, but I can see your uh, record box twitching a bit there, Pete. Like a, It's like a, a mogwai in a box. No. Uh, what's um, what's no. going on? Well, um, I thought because we're on a bit of a psychedelic tip, uh, David Hamilton, know much about David Hamilton? Guitarist uh, had this kind of weird studio lair in Detroit where he would produce all the reprobates that hung around, a bit of a druggy scene, and... Uh, Worked at Motown for a little while, wrote, I think he co-wrote Once Upon a Time, that was recorded by Marvin Gaye and Mary Wells, I think. Uh, And then started up his own thing and then signed up a load of stuff and and was quite uh, out there, radical, and uh, was a very disorganised musician. Could play everything from a ukulele to banjo to piano to guitar. Why have I never seen this? This this looks like a promo to me. Is this unreleased? A lot of it's previously issued, but you can catch up with a lot of the... Kent Ace Records have brought up uh, most of the stuff that he uh, uh, recorded. They went there. uh, There's a guy that works out in America, went to the basement and got all the tapes out. And they're all all over the place. A lot of it, they don't know who they are or what the titles are. But I picked one because it's... Um, we try to play something out there. This is a very, very strange record. You've got to bear in mind, I think it was a very smoky situation, if you get my drift there, in the studio of David uh, Hamilton. And they would uh, hang out there at night and, and drink and smoke and record all sorts of weird experimental stuff. Uh, perhaps you might detect what the odd sort of sounds are on this record. Oh. You're good, you've got an ear for it, haven't you? Yeah, maybe. Do you like to hear it? You better hurry up and play it, otherwise... Find us keepers. B music. Let's take a journey to the thin of your mind. Can you dig it?
Johnny Walker, not the well-known DJ. Not the purveyor of whiskey. But only that's where David Hamilton was an old DJ and Johnny Walker was an old DJ. Uh, some yeah. of them synths in there sounded like samples, like they'd been running off other records. Funky trip Johnny Walker, anyway. And what do you reckon the sound is? Stan reckons that was the bottom end of a sax. Baritone. The, the baritone. Could with be. a load of reverb. It sounds a bit bigger than that. It sounds, sounds too metallic to be... Uh, Sax, maybe I'm wrong. I think it was a robot. Really, in those days, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I think that's the desired effect. Works up, works for me anyway. There's not enough robot in, in life. Oh, I think oh. we're busy today. We've had everybody in the uh, the keeper's cottage. Well, I've organised a lift because uh, the times the time has come. So uh, I think I know who this is. Is this your taxi? No, it's Ben. Hello, Ben. Hey, up. You're all right. Ah, you ben. Hello. Yeah, you part part the part the. Um, Mini milk out there. Uh, yep, head. yep. Mini milk. Very precarious. Yeah. Blimey. Ben Hatton drives a mini milk. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Along the beach. Yep. yep. Yeah. What yep. colour is it? Bright orange. Tabby's bright orange. It is bright orange. Yeah. yeah of course yeah. it is. Of course, of course. it is. What what else? Orange colour. Yeah. Sheffield Beach. <laughs> <laughs> you and Phil Oakey and his Sinclair C5. Yep. Riding around Sheffield in your weird vehicles. Bought any soul, Ben? I have. Yeah. Have I've brought uh, a Wayne Talbot record. I bought this a long, long time ago, mid '90s, and I've never really seen anything else by him since. Um, it's got the original crime bag, which you and Boney comped a long time ago. Oh, First yeah. finders keepers right. comp, yeah. Shades Ooh. of joy. Shades of joy, yeah. Well, this is the original. This is, is uh, it? yeah, yeah. It's the dude who wrote it. But uh, there's another track on there as well, which is great. United State of Mind. Wow. Ooh. So uh, yeah, we'll have a bit of that. Why don't yeah. you pull it out the sleeve and put it on the platter, then... guide the needle towards the groove, and press play. Yeah. I stand accused. Yes, I do. And I've been guilty. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. To loving you in the first degree. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Wow. Now I got you. Yes, I do. And you got me. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. But you and me. Till eternity. And I 
was a very sensitive record. I don't like that. But nice. The dude looks well armed. Nice he does, vibe. He? What Ben does? Bit of a bruiser. Yeah, not as hard as Ben. He looks. Oh. Yeah, looks, look at him. Who's that there? He looks like a, a garage mechanic. He looks homeless from here. He's got loads of homemade Manchester United tats like, uh, like you. <laughs> <laughs> like you, Pete. Thanks for that minor detail. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot I say about you with your half-slung jeans on and stuff, though, couldn't there? What's he looking through the window? He's people crying. eating. He's either crying or yeah. spying. He's looking at people doing. eating. He's home. Ben just said he's homeless. He's looking through the restaurant window at people eating. He's in the crime bag. No, Salivating. Uh, the crime, the crime bag. bag. <laughs> the crime. Anyway, you lot, stop. Stop a moment. We, we welcome back uh, Doug Shipton. Uh, the Big Cheese. What are you going to play for us now, Doug, before we finish? Next up, we've got a track by a band we've name-dropped a couple of times in the show already, uh, Sweetwater, who, um, if I'm right, Andy, weren't they supposed to be the opening act for Woodstock but couldn't quite make it to Richie Havens? I've heard that. Took their place? Yeah, Sweetwater did an amazing version of Compared to What. They used to, like Rotary Connection, they used to do these these... these quite unlikely covers and then spin them out quite a bit and that's exactly what you're going to play isn't it a, a cover version this is Sweetwater with Marvellous Child
was a fragile swan song for our uh, finders yeah. keepers. Uh, yeah. I was tearful. Psychedelic, slightly delic, psychedelic. I feel as though we've been somewhere else for a few hours, don't you? We have, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, th- thanks in, in, in the main to, uh, of course, the legendary Dr. Funkenstein, George Clinton. Dennis Coffey, the coffee breaks. Uh, the very talented uh, Jane Weaver, don't forget, the Silver Globe is still out and mm. out there. And Graham Massey, of course, with his uh, sisters in their eyes. Yeah. And to you two, uh, the remaining Boney and Stan, uh, I'd like to say au revoir. Au revoir. Cheers, Thanks, guys. Bye bye. Thank you. And Ben, and um, goodbye, Doug. Thanks as always, fellas. And of course, goodbye to yourself, Pete, because bye bye. I am now leaving the building. Bye bye, Andrew. See you next time from Finders Keepers Radio. You are listening to the Finders Keepers radio show from somewhere in the English countryside, making global, local 